to Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 14, Kel Dragons Love Orange Soda, the book, Mall Lickdown by Joe, wait, did I just say Lickdown? Oh, uh, gee, sorry, sir, uh, uh, Lockdown, Mall Lockdown, by Joe Schreiber, the year 2014, chapters 55 through 58, with your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go, D- damn it! everybody, welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast with your host, me, Jeff, joined as always by the other fella, John, who is going to tell me how he's doing right now. Oh, I'm doing awesome. It's a rainy day and uh, it's my favorite kind of thing. I'm all rested up, raring to go. I'm in high spirits. Groovy. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. I feel like I fell down a hill. Oh, why did you fall down a hill? I was it because you went hill, running up that hill? <laughs> well, I just wanted to see what was on the other side of the mountain. Oh, But no, I, I feel like I fell down a hill because I have been, I, I've started doing alternating nights of running and strength training. And by strength training, I really just mean playing ring fit on my Switch for like <laughs> 40 minutes. Nice. But uh, believe me, that shit kicks my ass. <laughs> oh, I've heard that that shit will... Just straight up wreck your nonsense. Yeah, like I thought I was going to be fine. I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just, you know, I need to, I'm holding a little steering wheel and I'll have to squeeze it and so on. But no, it's just, it assumes at a bare minimum that you are always jogging in place, which is super awkward. Ah. And then every once in a while, you also have to like lift your legs really high, do a bunch of squats and table press or chair presses. And oh, it's, it beats the shit out of me. And so... This morning, I woke up having done just a plethora of squats when up until this yesterday, I had not done any squats for, ooh, 25, 20 years, somewhere in there. Nice. I so, had. Yeah, I feel like I fell down a goddamn hill. <laughs> I had some, some wiener schnitzel. Oh, I didn't do that. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, I found a little piece of metal in one of my hot dogs. <laughs> That's a bonus. Oh, yeah, no. Biting into that, I was like, ow, my teeth, but also, hey, free piece of metal. Free tiny piece of metal? I could I could come up with something for this. Oh, hell yeah. I put it in a little baggie, and I'm just waiting to figure out what I'm going to do. What, what fun project can I use this in? I mean, I assume you take it back to Wienerschnitzel and say, hey, I found metal in your hot dog. I would like one more free hot dog. <laughs> and then hope it's got metal in it. Oh, yeah, and then hope that it's got a larger piece of metal, and then I can bring it back and be like, now give me two hot dogs. Then the cycle continues. <laughs> Keep having I what I assume is pieces of your machinery break off into my food. <laughs> I mean, I would be amazed if that's the case, because there's no way they're making hot dogs on site at a wiener schnitzel. Ah, well, I mean, they're assembling it on site. Presumably a piece of some factory is breaking down somewhere where they make hot dogs and ship them to wiener schnitzels. Oh, that scares me way more that perhaps the hot dog factory will someday be a wreck and we will no longer get hot dogs. I mean, there can't just be one hot dog factory supplying wiener schnitzels. <laughs> it's just going to be one that goes down and it'll only last a little while. Clearly, there is a hot dog factory. 
<laughs> there's one in the world. That's why they're all so similar. Yeah, there's just the one. If they try and mm-hmm. sell you on some shit like, ooh, this one's kosher and this one's all pork. No, nah, it's all the same thing. It's a scam. <laughs> the important thing is that by only having one hot dog factory, they've left themselves vulnerable. We plan the heist tonight. John, you're on lookout. Oh, good. As in lookout, John, because you're going to be the person who has to do the entire heist. Oh, no. <laughs> it's cool. You get to put your team together. Oh, good. That's mm-hmm. that's always the best part of any heist movie. Yeah. Yeah, you're picking the key, putting the team together, and then also that part where you go through the plans, and then the, the heist actually happens while you're going through the plans as well. Oh, yeah. That's the best. That's the good part. I Who can't... are you putting on your team? I can't wait to start doing the heist and then be like, and this is all according to plan as soon as something stupid happens. Yeah, exactly, because that's when, uh, I don't know, Cedric the Entertainer shows up. Oh, yeah, I'll be like, oh, no. Bernie Mac. They've captured me, but this was all part of the plan, and now it's up to Don Cheadle. (laughs) Okay, so Don Cheadle's on your team to heist the hot dog factory for everything it's worth? Obviously. And Weird Al. Okay, good. He needs to get the plates. Well, obviously, all the hot dogs come out of the assembly line on little plates. Yeah, just little plates that you can eat them off of. Yeah, yeah, every one of them comes prepackaged on a little plate, but no bun. It's just a single hot dog, the wiener only, packaged in the exact center of a tiny white plate. Would you eat that hot dog? Ooh, and it's fresh off the factory assembly line at the only hot dog factory in the world? Oh, yeah. Yes. Great. Unequivocally, that is the cream of the hot dog crop. Hey, did you know that we read Star Wars? (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Chapter 55, Inbound Flight, begins with a new point of view, a a random security guard at the prison by the name of Dawson. Yeah, C.O. Dawson. And Mm -hmm. he's not even supposed to be here today. No, he's supposed to be standing on a boat in the middle of a small lake. Yeah, no, C.O. Dawson is supposed to be like, Pacey, why did you fuck the teacher? (laughs) And Pacey's like, man, I don't remember making that show. What the fuck? How do you remember anything about this? (laughs) He's like, I don't know, man. I was on Fringe and in The Mighty Ducks. I remember that I don't want to wait forever to be oversong, and that's the full extent of my experience with Dawson's Creek. Dawson. Dawson. Also, I was in uh, Cruel Intentions. That was another place where you can find me, Joshua Jackson. That's another place for you to go for all your Josh Jackson needs. Mm -hmm. He's only in it for a second because he plays like an extremely minor. I think he plays the Keanu Reeves role of uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Okay. Goddamn. I love those two movies and I like to watch them in tandem. I like to put them on on two screens and watch them both at once. We watched, we read a Star Wars. We did read a Star Wars. That is true. So Dawson is going to be the designated survivor of a horrible series of events that's about to occur. Uh, because this the chapter opens by telling us that later on when he's being debriefed by the, I don't know, gaming commission or whoever it was that was doing that, he's the one who got away. Yeah. There's some uh, galactic a, a board. Galactic of the, board. Yeah, the galactic board of inquiry who's like, uh, hey man, what went down? He's like, well, the only reason I survived is because I got the fuck out immediately. Yeah. 
And yeah, you're right. He wasn't supposed to be here today. That wasn't just a reference to uh, to clerks. He's 20 minutes past his shift ending cycle, so he is in a grumpy mood. Oh yeah, he's all grumped up, and the uh, the prison barge is late, of course, and so mm-hmm. he's he's sitting there with his little shock pike, all sad and grumped, and he's like, "Ugh, fucking guys!" And even when it docks, does the purge the uh, prison transport like it still takes another five minutes for anything to happen like usually the guards will come out and they'll you know send out some prisoners and whatnot but just nothing happens yeah uh so he's grumpy about it he's trying to figure out what's going on that could possibly be stopping him from having uh the prisoners just come out like they're supposed to so he can go get some rack time hell yeah but eventually the port door does indeed open and here's what's supposed to happen. The crew of the ship is supposed to come out first. Then all the prisoners are supposed to come out. And they're met by the guards who have a lot of, like, stun sticks and pike weapons and so on that they use to kind of bug the prisoners a bit to make sure the prisoners know that they're prisoners. Yeah, just and then they bugging get, uh... the prisoners with my giant electroshock rod. Hey, hey, buddy. Bzz. Hey, hey, bzz. Hey, that really bugs me. I've got this set on tickle. Is this bugging you? Hey, I'm I'm not zapping you. I'm not zapping you. Oh, shit, I zapped him. Oh, oops. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> oh, man. Well, whatever. we got lots of prisoners. But instead, for a long time, the door just sits there empty and open, and no one comes out until eventually just two guards come out. And that's not what's supposed to happen. A bunch more than two guards are supposed to come out. Oh, yeah. And these guys are looking around kind of nervous. They're carrying one big heavy box and Mm -hmm. that's it so they're like okay one that's weird that only two of these guys would come out and two it's weird that there's only like that for cargo yeah yeah it's not right there should be a lot more people coming out for they were expecting a lot more cargo um they were expecting a lot more and then when eventually the prisoners come out there's not enough of them either oh yeah they were expecting like 29 30 prisoners and like nine of them come out yeah so this is this is all not going according to plan but someone steps forward and is like is this it is this all that's going on oh yeah and the uh our good friend co dawson watching these nine prisoners come out is like oh man these guys not only look bad like badasses because it's just all trandoshans and gamorians and whatnot but they're all smiling and look like, you know, they're perfectly happy with this. So he's just like, ooh, these these scrummy-looking buggers. We should let them know what's what and go zap them with our pikes. Yeah, they're 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 getting in. They're settling into their routine as mean, shitty prison guards. So they're like, yeah, we should go over there and fuck them up so that they know that we can fuck them up. Oh yeah, and there's like. His buddy, another guard there, Greer, who's like, oh, the matches will beat them down soon enough, but maybe we shouldn't wait that long, huh? And so they start, like, heading over their pikes turned on and ready to start zapping dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's when they hear behind them that uh, Siddiqui has shown up herself for this guard pickup. Which I don't know if... I don't know if that's a regular thing or not, uh... I, I, if she always shows up for these kinds of things, that's not a thing we know. Well, I mean, Dawson thinks that it's unusual for 
management to come down personally to supervise the offloading of new inmates. Mm -hmm. It's especially weird given that just like, I don't know, 10 seconds ago, she was on a speaker with uh, Maul turning his uh, little elevator into a burning hot box room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... Not sure where she found the time to be like, oh, I should quit fucking around with this guy and go check in on something that's going on down here for no reason. I mean, yeah, obviously. Her her radio reaches too short to hotbox with Maul. Indeed. And uh, now, <laughs> so Siddiqui's immediately upset about this because she's like, nine prisoners? We contracted for 32 prisoners. And they're like, hey, what are you going to do? It's nine. It's nine prisoners. Uh, also, is that all the cargo? I was expecting significantly more cargo. Also, where's your captain? Styrene usually comes down to greet me himself when he gets here. And I'm like, oh, he's yeah, just, and he's, he's on here. board. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go talk to him. Yeah, please do. And that is when she's like, okay, I, I still smell that something's wrong here, but I will go on your dumb ship and talk to your captain about how shitty everything is. And as she walks forward, and we're still watching this from Dawson's point of view, uh, he he notices all of a sudden that there is that the wrong weight is in that cargo container that it's shifting back and forth rapidly, and he gets worried and starts thinking about yelling or warning Blear, but he doesn't have time, and she would have died if she didn't have such ludicrously fast reflexes because she immediately throws herself to the ground. Oh yeah, because the box opens up and some Trandoshan just jumps out with a giant blaster rifle and begins hosing down the entire cargo bay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Bleer manages to get to the floor before anything happens, but uh, not not so lucky are most of the other uh, COs and cargo, like, people that work down there. I can't remember their names. Well, there's Dawson and Greer. Greer gets gets vaped immediately. He's done. Oh, yeah. He gets but Don- blasted and goes ragdolling backwards because for some reason in this version of Star Wars, blasters actually have huge impact to them and send people sprawling and leave like gaping holes rather than just being, you know, little laser burns. Well, yeah, we're in Joe Schreiber's Star Wars right now. It's always bloody, bloody, gross and blood with this guy. Oh, yeah, no. When Joe Schreiber starts taking over things, no longer can you have, like, ooh, that was a little wound. That was, oof, that that might leave a mark. Now everything is like, and then your fucking dick explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Your dick got blasted off. (laughs) Yeah, uh. And just as quickly as the Trandoshan comes out and starts hosing everyone down with a big old Westar automatic laser rifle, he also starts throwing guns out of the crate to all of the other nine fake inmates that are standing out here. Oh, yeah. Because they just immediately stopped the pretense. They were never in, like, shackles or anything that was locked down. So they just all get guns, and uh, they murder everyone except for... You know, our good friend Dawson, who, of course, manages to survive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so does Bleer, because they're not supposed to kill her yet. Yeah, they're on. They're not under orders to kill Bleer, but they, uh, even then, she still kind of feels like she manages to get away from the firefight as opposed to uh, being just left alive. She crawls away from it desperately and manages to hide behind one of those giant load lifter box droids. Oh, yeah, but 
Dawson manages to, as he is just fucking off and trying to get away, sees an explosion happen, and when he turns around to see what's going on, there's a giant holovid projector that is floating and being dragged forward by those Kel dragons that Jabba had. And uh, mm-hmm. sure enough, up above the holovid, it is just projecting a giant life-size version of Jabba who gets to be like, ho, 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 fuck yeah, oh, ho, ho. Yeah, that's great. He just comes along as like a video game man. I'm really into this this Jabba appearance where he's just has his face dragged along like one of those uh, robots that takes people on tours of museums now. I do like in this chapter that from Dawson's point of view, uh, the deaths of the other guards is not known for sure. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, oh, I kind of heard rumors that maybe Jabba had infiltrated with prisoners maybe even guards if you could believe it but i don't think that's true so you can probably tell that like all right the shit that has gone down with uh you know the guards and the gravity massive and the bone kings and whatnot from some chapters ago not exactly known yeah no i i I had been wondering about that because i mean granted the timeline of this book is a mystery it feels like it takes place over the course of like a day and a half uh, but for the, uh, how long it would take for the scuttlebutt that like nine guards are missing and that several of the bone Kings and gravity massive have been, have also vanished all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that because I think most of the guards that were in there, it was like, oh, they were just about to be done with whatever their shift was. Mm-hmm. So... Smart I move guess, on Siddiqui's part. Yeah, I guess they just weren't going to be missed for a while. Yeah, so uh, so he doesn't know, and he's got, he, he basically has no idea what's going on, but he's doing his best to just sort of drop out of sight, get out of the, uh, out of, uh, the way, just like, as it turns out, uh, Siddiqui's personal droid, 3D, who we, we have occasionally mentioned in previous episodes, but it's some kind of protocol droid, and it, sta- it immediately backs up and hides against a wall trying not to get noticed. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's probably the least significant target if you're, you know, one of Jabba's goons, because you're like, oh, some protocol droid, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it's uh it's just all kinds of fucked, and that's the end of the first chapter as Dawson realizes that, oh shit, we're we're up a creek right now. Oh yeah. Jabba's here and we are bonered. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Darth Maul is still in that in that elevator shaft where I have to assume that it wasn't Siddiqui's plan to straight up cook him alive, that she was probably after she checked in on this whole warden prison delivery thing, she'd go back and visit with him again to see if he wants to die in a hot elevator. You'd think, and yet, mm-hmm. the, well, sh- the timeline the of events is like, okay, she presses the button to make the turbo lift hot then mm-hmm. appears down at the cargo bay without really having a reason to it's not like alarms were going off or she had any specific reason to be down there so she was just kind of like all right well fuck this guy turn on the cook button and then just left the oven on mhm and that's where we rejoin him he is currently trying to get the access patch hand uh panel open in the turbo lift so he can get out of this increasingly heating up elevator oh yeah now 
last time when we left him, he had smashed the speaker that Siddiqui was using because he was like, fuck you. But he's actually using mm-hmm. that speaker faceplate as like a wedge to try and get this faceplate off. Yes, and it's not helping him very much. It's it's uh it's too small to, for him to really be able to work with it. He just is not working in ideal conditions. Oh no. And of course, at this point he's like sweating profusely. He's like I'm going to have maybe another minute or two before I pass out from complete heat exhaustion and I can already kind of smell that I am cooking in here. Yeah, that was a great part where he was like noticed a roasted meaty smell and then he was like, "Oh fuck, that's me. I I am being cooked." Oh yeah, he's like, "Oh yeah, my palm because I was trying to shove this thing in between like the faceplate gap has been touching the metal of this turbo lift and it has begun to cook." <laughs> He's just roasting in general, and as he continually tries to beat his way through this access panel, uh, he increases the, the room just keeps getting hotter and hotter. There's a point where a sweat bead falls off him, lands on the ground, and starts sizzling in place. Oh, yeah. And he's just trying to focus, because he's like, all right, I got to get out of here. Again, I cannot fail my mission, can't fail my master. I don't know mm-hmm. why I still give a shit about him, but whatever. And he needs to get out and find Owen. He's like, that's the motherfucker who knows things. I got to get out and talk to him again. I love that he's still on brand with Owen, where it, to me it feels like that was almost assuredly a lie. Nah. <laughs> but he does. I mean, granted, even a lie is the best information he has access to right now. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you have to assume that since pretty much everything else that Artigan told him has been true, like about the Bandogora and saving Radik's life and everything else has been, you know, accurate so far, that even if he was lying about, you know, uh, Owen knowing everything, it's possible he knows something, he just doesn't realize it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, it, it, that could be a, a thing where he it, he knows, and he is, in his head, he's going through everything he could possibly think of, like, He's thinking about the the continued existence of Iram Radik. He's even thinking about the Kipus still, trying to solve the grand puzzle of what the hell's going on in here. Indeed. And at a certain point, he gives up on the whole I won't use the dark side thing and just starts battering away at the uh, 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 panel with blasts of concentrated force energy. Yeah, that was one of those things where I was like, wait, you're... All right, sure. I mean, I guess now is... The time to do that if you're gonna. <laughs> Blast him if you got him. <laughs> uh, and that, is, that isn't really helping either. He just keeps having to work and work, and eventually the panel opens up, and he's going to be able to get out. Oh, yeah. Panel opens up. A bunch of cool air rushes in from above, because, woof, it is hot as hell in there. And mm-hmm. uh, he manages to actually get up and out of the horrible murder box that he is in. Of course, now Yay. he's just sort of in a dark, ridiculous murder shaft and has no idea yeah, where to a, go. Yeah, he's in a pitch black elevator shaft now, and uh, he's just not in a good situation still. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he keeps being like, all right, fuck it. I'll just, I don't care. I use the force. Let's reach out and see what the hell is out here. Ah, yes. Some steel rungs. I'll, I guess I'm 
climbing out of here. Yeah, presumably for maintenance technicians at some point in the past. And he begins to climb out with a single thought racing through his mind, which is, boy, I'm coming for you. Oh, boy, you're going to get it when I come for you. And and let's hear it for that boy. But uh, he, is, he is... R- he is uh, racing to find Owen when when the next chapter begins. Yes. And now everything has gone to hell because we've got Kel dragons that are pulling a giant hollow vid. We got a whole bunch mm-hmm. of shooting that's going on, a bunch of dead motherfuckers. And Siddiqui is just trying to figure out what the hell to do. Yeah, I mean, she is probably intensely grumpy about the whole scenario because she's like, what the hell? I didn't expect that Jabba would go this far. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, but- she managed to get behind one of the load lifter droids that wasn't being used and was just like, God damn it. <laughs> what is this? And that's when Jabba, because obviously he's got a very great camera view of the whole scenario, starts yelling at her and Hutties to just come on out where he's just like, Hey, Siddiqui, why don't you just come out here? Uh, why don't you just come out and let me see your pretty face, but in hoodies. Yeah. Boshuda Wardan Blear. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And she's willing to come out because more or less she's under the impression that if he's yelling for her to come out where he can see her, he's probably not just going to have her shot on sight. He probably wants to gloat a little. And, you know, it's not like she's got a lot of options at this point. Like it would be better for her to try and bargain with Jabba than hide and let these people just absolutely wreck the entire prison. Yeah. Just not a lot of cards to play left. So she puts her hands up, steps around and is just like, all right, Jabba, what do you actually want? What is the point of this? I take it. I did something to provoke you. Eh? Yeah reserving a thought for herself about how it's not fair that he's not here because he's obviously off on some space yacht somewhere probably eating oh yeah but the two of them get into a nice little back and forth banter where neither one of them is willing to like admit anything is going weirdly so they're just like oh yes i thought we were friends oh what do i (laughs) owe the pleasure of this visit you're just like oh come on guys I, I do like the part where she, where he's like, you executed nine of my people in front of me. I mean, I didn't have any attachment to them, but that really displays a lack of respect. And she's like, you said they weren't your people. We had that conversation. I gave you several opportunities to claim them. And if you had, I would have sent them back to you unharmed. But you didn't. You said they weren't yours, so I murdered them. And he's he's like, come on, let's not waste time on this. You knew they were mine. I knew they were mine. You knew I couldn't say they were mine. We're going to learn about respect today. Yeah. Now, under normal circumstances, I would have absolutely loved the amount of ridiculous butchery that you put on display there. That's my thing. Like, that is Mm -hmm. my fetish. But they were my guys, and it's a matter of respect. So I, you know, I got to come and destroy your shit now. I like all this respect stuff, because... Normally, you don't feel like, I don't feel like Jabba is an especially respect-oriented crime lord, you know? I feel like he's more just a piece of shit. Oh, but, yeah. But Even here he's here like he completely is. a mafioso. I mean, he's still a piece of shit here. He's just pretending it's about respect. I guess that's fair. You got a point there. And and so she's like, okay, well, fine. 
Fine, I killed your guys in front of you. Great. What do you want? What are we doing here? This is pretty standard procedure. You came in here to bank a big show and kill a bunch of my people, and now you're going to make a couple of demands. Why don't we just hear the demands? Can we do that, please? Yeah, what is it going to take for you to fuck off? I killed some of your guys. You killed some of my guys. What do you want? And then you can get out of here and I can get back to business. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, how about your head? Now, I thought for at first I was like, oh, I get it. That's his opening bid. And it's going to be a whole chapter about how uh, negotiations between criminals work and how she's going to be like, no, you can't have my head. But how about you have the following access to my spice mine credits or whatever? Uh, but instead, she's just like, no, you can't have my head. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to take it. And then he looses the dragons. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, if I can't have that, then how about a quick meal? And then mm -hmm. the Kel dragons go leaping forward towards her. Thankfully, during this conversation, she had just sort of been slowly walking towards Jabba's hollow vid thing, but also closer to that crate full of weapons. And towards the Trandoshan with the West Star Blaster. Because again, the thing we keep learning about Siddiqui is that despite having spent her life being some sort of gambling administrator, she is also apparently a highly trained ninja badass. Oh yeah. For no reason she's like super honed reflexes, absolutely amazing with various weapons. And it's like, but we know your backstory is like you went into a casino as like a small time like pit boss. It's not mm -hmm. exactly like your backstory is you were the world's greatest bounty hunter that, that retired and said, fuck it. I'll run a fight prison. Yeah. It's weird. I would like to see the rest of her backstory. So I understand. Cause up until every time she gets into one of these altercations, you're like, God damn, she's a badass. The question is why I thought you were like a small time extortionist who made it big with a super prison. Yeah. But Okay. Anyway, what in this case, her, her ultimate moment of crowning badassery is that she grabs the uh, uh, the pike off the dead body of a guard on the ground, uses it to instantly kill the uh, the Trandoshan, then takes that blaster away from the Trandoshan and shoots down one of the Keldragons on approach. Oh, yeah. Keldragon jumping at her, and she just fires a blast directly, like one meter away, into its face, melts its mm -hmm. brain and most of its face off, and, you know, it goes flying past her. Yep. And uh, even as as it's still going through the process of dying, because it's a big lizard, so it's kind of slow on realizing that it has been murdered, uh, She, in her own head, she's like, okay, don't forget the other one. Don't forget the other one. There's going to be another one. Yeah, too and late, she whirls though. around. Yep, tries to get a shot off at the other one, but, up, oh, too late. She can't do it. It has managed to tackle her. Oh, yeah. And it... Ooh, we get some some very Schreiber descriptions here of this Keldragon chomping into the leg of Siddiqui and over the course of like three paragraphs talking about how it just cracks the bones and absolutely rips like the bottom of her leg off. Yeah, she doesn't have a foot on her left side anymore. You can see the exposed tibia and and so on. Her her leg bones are outside of her legs now, and her foot is in a dragon's mouth. Oh, yeah. And, and Jabba's just like, easy now, take your time, little pet. 
oh, I've trained them that even though I starve them so they're particularly vicious and hungry, I've also trained them to not eat quickly so that it lasts as long as possible where you are alive as they consume you. Because, you know, I'm some kind of weird asshole. Yeah, well, he's a very sadistic weirdo, and this is exactly in his wheelhouse. It, it feels like it'd be very tough to train a lizard to do either one of those things, but he knows his work. Oh, yeah. Strange that you can train some, like, giant Komodo-ass dragon to be like, Ah, yes, I will take my time with this meal. Mm, let me get the knife and fork and my own little napkin out. I guess uh, what I'm probably discounting here that I need to take into account is that they're repto mammals, just like every other big lizardy thing in Star Wars, and therefore they probably don't actually have lizard level metabolisms and brains. Maybe, because you know you can't. You try and starve a Komodo dragon, and it's like whatever, bitch. I usually eat like once a month if I'm lucky, anyway. <laughs> I'm just gonna wait until I get whatever, and then eat all of it and be like, ah, good. Yeah, uh, and also you can't train me in any way because my brain is a walnut full of instincts. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I'm just a murder machine that has a base level of cognizance of the world around me, and that's about it. Yeah, I know everything I need to know for the purposes of checking to see if there's a nearby water buffalo that I can poison and then slowly follow. But Keldragon's probably got some dog in there, so you can probably teach him something or other. Oh, yeah. At, so while at this Siddiqui is bleeding out on the floor, she's like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. 3D. Hey, 3D! Uh, yeah, Warden? Yes, because still sitting against the wall. <laughs> Initiate reconfiguration series one two one immediately. Yeah, and uh, 3D's like, uh, okay, you got it. And at this point, she yells out to Java, Hey, Java, call off your thing. Also, make all your guards go back in the ship, or I swear to you, I'm going to kill every last motherfucking one of them. Oh, you're in no position to... And then the entire hangar just starts doing its... Cog Hive 7 shuffle where panels start moving and things start, like, falling down and a hole opens up near her and the fucking Kel Dragon falls through a pit. Yeah, and as quickly as it opens, half of Jabba's guards just fall into the pit and disappear into the open gaping maw of the floor. The Kel Dragon's gone. Uh, Jabba's hollow vid drops unceremoniously to the ground and shuts off. As he's, re he's roaring at her, he's like, He's like, Siddiqui, I'll, what does he say? Like, I'll wallow in your blood. Oh, yeah. You presumptuous wench. I will have you brought before me. I will devour your flesh. I will wallow in your blood. And it's and weird. And then his hollow vid thing snaps off. Well, I mean, he says signal scuppa to turn them loose. So they're going to turn oh, all right. of the, the 39 prisoners that should have been brought in just loose on the prison. But also... And Yep. It's weird to me that they're doing this, and you still have, you know, a good amount of Jabba's dudes with blasters, and none of them decide, oh, I should probably just shoot Siddiqui. <laughs> I guarantee you they know not to take the initiative when you work for Jabba. That's the rule. Huh. If you take the initiative, he'll just be like, ah, you've killed Siddiqui. I wanted to have her brought before me. Uh, a thousand years fed to Rancor. That's you just you just don't if you're in a, a job led organization, you wait for instructions. Uh, it just it still seems very weird to me that they didn't at least even 
shoot 3D because immediately 3D comes over to like help out Siddiqui because you know it's not like she can go anywhere. She's got an entire like lower leg missing, and mm-hmm. 3D of course has just some like narcotics in her that she can stab into Siddiqui, but none yeah, of that, the that's some none, none of the like Jabba's men are like oh we should. Even if I know he wants Siddiqui brought in, we could kill that droid that is helping her escape. Well, what we're seeing here is the classic Star Wars book thing that I I love, which is everyone in Star Wars forgetting that their weapons have stun settings. Uh, Just knock her unconscious. Just just shoot her with the big blue rings. Then you can drag her to Jabba. But no, no one ever thinks of that. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's not like the reconfiguration has really messed up their ability to do stuff all it really did was open up a five meter like pit in between her and the rest of Jabba's men so they still are able to see what is going on and have guns mm-hmm. and even as they as 3d is dragging her out of the room uh they are handing out guns to all of the other prisoners as they come out, and everyone is just firing wildly in all directions. Uh, So, really, they're just lucky they don't even get hit by a stray shot at this point. But, dude, let's definitely stop for a second and talk about this whole uh, 3D having a injector needle full of narcotics. Oh, yeah. That Siddiqui doesn't even remember giving to her. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say that's because she didn't. Ah, That is... That is definitely some more uh, Iron Radik shit rearing its ugly head. Ha. Huh. Uh, where Iron Radik definitely got his hands probably through Dakarai uh, on that droid and had him uh, had it built up with some with some shots to give to Siddiqui. I'm not even sure if that's really a narcotic. Or it probably is, is 3D Radik. <laughs> that would be amazing. But I, I'm not even, I mean, at first I'm like, that's not even a narcotic. That's some other drug because, because, uh, that, that's Ivan Radik has rascaled that droid. That droid's been rascaled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I actually think is happening is that Radik put in a counter contingency to have, uh, Warden Bleer kept alive because she is very useful to his ridiculous operation. Yeah. I don't think he wants her dead any more than she does because otherwise he's got to run the prison and that would be a real pain in the ass. Oh Yeah. He's got way better things to do. Yeah. So I, I guarantee you it's going to turn out that 3D is the latest person who's in Irum's orbit already. <laughs> or is Irum? Or is. I don't know. I still think he's the worm. I don't, <laughs> but I kind of do. Speaking of, is there anything else to do in this chapter? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jabba's oh, yeah, guys are taking the dock plank that was used to get mm-hmm. from the purge into the hangar and are like, all right, well let's rip this thing off and use it like a bridge to get over this five meter gap. So they yeah. do have a way across. They are going to, you know, get in there and Siddiqui's like, man, after the guards here died and the guards I murdered, <laughs> I think I got what? 30, 40 dudes left. I'm pretty sure there are we are fucked. active duty guards. Yeah. <laughs> And and also, as she remembers or remembers to herself kind of grimly as they're leaving, all these prisoners that they're putting out now uh, that are coming out of the ship don't have their blow-up-your-brain implants yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to have the guards with actual weapons instead of just 
those little number boxes. Yeah, so that's not going to be very helpful either. Uh, it, it, everything's going to shit. But even as she's leaving, even as she's thinking that kind of stuff, uh, she notices that one of the big old load lifter droids in the, in the b- facility uh, suddenly steps forward, comes to life, stomps across that giant hole in the floor like it was nothing, because that's how big the load lifter droids are. And out of the wreckage, picks up a single small black case. Yeah, there was something in she- that... Uh- the giant weapons crate that it was like, ah, yes, this black box, a thing I need to get. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously the, uh, the denouement to the story of, of, uh, what's his name? Vesto Sliffer and his, his, uh, crate of weapon gear to give to Iram Radik. Yes. So whatever that <laughs> is, some sort of weapon thing for Iram. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with it now because it was supposed to be Vesto Sliffer's job to go get it. Yeah. No idea now that Vesto can't go get it and the droid was given orders to only give it to him. Yeah, I mean, it might just be a cute little throwaway reference, like to be like, hey, by the way, now this happens because we said it was supposed to. But no. But it's got it's got Siddiqui's wheels spinning, so something's up. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to take that gun off the mantle and shoot it at some point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she falls unconscious. And we get one last chapter with Maul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maul is in still a climbing up that elevator shaft, rung by rung, trying to get up back up to the prison floor uh, when uh, <laughs> initiation procedure 121 starts. So he is inside of this giant Wonkavator shaft when the prison suddenly starts vastly reshaping itself. Which is strange when I think about it, because I was like, but the only thing that really changed, as far as we know, is that just a gap opened up in the floor at the hangar bay. I assume 121 probably did something else, maybe, but it's it's odd gotta, that it would change so much. I'm guessing it did all kinds of shit. Like, if she just wanted a hole to open up in the floor of the, of the uh, hangar bay, she could have said, open up a hole in the processing floor. But instead, she was like, I don't know, which, which one of the uh, initiation procedures that I have to do all kinds of crazy shit to my prison also involves opening up a big hole in that floor. Oh, right, 121 does. I mean, I gotta hand it to Siddiqui. Memorizing at least 121 different configurations and knowing which one to do while you are bleeding out of your stump leg, that's really fucking good. Good for you. Oh, yeah. No, she's a crazy badass. I mean, we don't get a whole lot of justification for it, but goddamn, is she ever? Uh, and and uh, so Maul is is way deep in the middle of the prison complex when this is happening, and he gets to be caught in basically a giant clock for a while as everything around him is vastly reshaping itself, folding in on itself. Giant pipes are flying past him. He keeps having to duck and jump over things. Oh yeah, and you know even the like rungs that he is going up the side of the shaft on start twisting and he's eventually just hanging by the rings and like looking down at the bottom of the shaft like, all right, well, this was a handhold up the turbo lift, but I guess now it's like a bridge that has formed for some reason and like Mm -hmm. cables come out and like reattach to different places and panels open up and various things connect to other things so it's not just that like 
metal bits move around like actual functionality in the prison changes when this happens yeah even the turbo lift itself down below him is like ensconced in all of it and probably ceases its functionality as an active turbo lift during this transformation cycle i mean i have to assume that like 121 is the protocol for if prisoners get loose in the hangar because it creates a gap it apparently fucks up your chances of getting up a turbo lift. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe we'll find out that it is actually the protocol that's like, make it as hard as possible for anyone from the hangar to get anything done. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But, I mean, that makes a lot of good business sense. But meanwhile, Darth Maul is very fucked as things just keep changing shape around him. At a certain point, after dodging giant beams that fly over his head and having to jump over a bunch of other shit... He sees a giant pit open up beneath him, and he can catch a glimpse, even though it's exceedingly dark where he is, to all the way to the exact center of the prison, where just the giant cogwheel massive gear system arrangement that powers this whole stupid thing is churning away. And if he were to go down there, it would just devour him. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's spending his time, because Maul thinks everything is about him, being like, oh, it looks like... Maybe Siddiqui's either getting on with the next match without me, or maybe she's decided to try and kill me from within here with this. Like, no, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with you. No one gives a shit, Maul. <laughs> well, he has no way of knowing. As far as he's concerned, that makes perfect sense that that uh, she's been watching the whole time. She knows he got out of the elevator, and this is just round two of her stupid plans. Yeah. And while he's hanging there, he's like, you know... I gotta do something, because even though I am a badass, I can't just hang above an abyss forever, so I gotta do something. And he starts yeah. reaching out with his, you know, Sith senses. He's like, alright, I gotta figure out a way to go. What am I gonna do? And that is yeah. when a giant hulking mass begins to move, and the metal above him starts creaking under the weight of it yep yep and and uh he also right before that and just to set the scene for you at a certain point relative to the gravity of the center of the uh of the cog hive prison uh his turbo lift kind of went perpendicular to the ground and so now rather than climbing a wall he is hanging from the wall yes as i've mentioned from the several ceiling. times yeah oh my apologies uh and he He's reaching around to try and find new handholds, and that's when he encounters a bunch of, like, shredded nest material. Oh, yeah, just some nasty, goopy web nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck is this? What What is going on now? And that's when he sees it inside of the nest, more of, and it doesn't say it out loud, but you know it's those damn little worms he already got in his mouth during the uh, the Aqualish fight. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's when what John was saying suddenly happens, as he feels the the inexorable weight of a giant something or other creaking around on the floor up above him. And at first, I mean, he immediately is like, oh yeah, Cyrox, the the wolf worm. I get it. And then he's like, huh, maybe <laughs> this, this my is my next fight. I love the idea that she was like, uh, yep, that's what's up. We're going to have you fight the wolf worm now. Yeah, well, you know, we've had you fight every other dumb monster we have, so fuck it, here's a giant wolf worm. Yeah, now thankfully that's not actually what's happening. Uh, instead, the wolf worm is just up above him, and he is convinced that it's tracking him because it matches his speed as he kind of 
makes his way hand over hand on uh, along the uh, rungs that he has access to still. And he's trying to keep ahead of it because he's like, this thing is ridiculously heavy and the metal is creaking and there is definitely a chance that this thing might just collapse onto me. Yep. Uh, but at a certain point, it gets close enough to him. He reaches out with the force because he can to get a feel for what's going on with this thing. And that's when he touches the nastiness that is the the uh, gestalt consciousness of the Cyrox. Ah, yes. He, much more than uh, the slight psionic capabilities from the glitter stem that our good man, whatever his nuts was, smite. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he got near, he was like, oh, he could kind of hear a couple voices and he was fucked up about it. Uh, Maul is a full-on actual force user, so he gets the full blast of just a thousand voices of inmates screaming in his head. Yeah, a lot of, and they're all, it's almost a poem as he describes it, as their various horrible, uh, constantly trapped and dying thoughts kind of mingle into each other, where where he's he's listening to all these people swear revenge against various, it's everyone feeling their worst thoughts about what they were going to do when this thing ate them. Because a lot of these people just lost fights and were thrown down to the worm, and a lot of them are, and this thing's been around for decades, so it's full of all kinds of dead bodies. But as the poem goes on, because it really is a single line item or line by line poem of connecting horrible screaming thoughts from various prisoners, it switches from I'm going to rip your face off and eat you and I'm going to murder you and I will have my revenge to how come I can't feel my body? Uh, I feel like my eyes have rotted out of my skull. Where's my brain? Yeah. What what is this thing? What is happening to me? And then, of course, it just ends with we shall eat. Right, which I guess is the one thing that they all conven- they all enjoy. Well, yeah, I mean, they're all part of the Cyrox consciousness, so as much as there is that bit of their personality that's been absorbed by it, they are still a giant murder worm, so... And at this point, he is... You know, he's Darth Maul, so he's not terrified. After all, he is, he is rage, not fear. Uh, but he's just swinging away from it. He makes a swing attempt to get to one of the two walls of the shaft he's on, succeeds, and there is indeed a little ledge there he can stand on, probably part of the channeling that the turbo lift followed. But it's only a couple of centimeters wide, so he could just barely get his feet onto it and kind of stand there if he spread eagles himself against the wall. Oh, yeah. And that gives him a chance to look around, see what's going on. And he sees that, you know, on one of the newly made walls after the reconfiguration, there is a couple of the panels that make up this wall are just on hinges and don't seem particularly like locked into place. So he manages to just swing over and jump and push a wall down and get Mm -hmm. into a ledge somewhere. And then he just lands wherever the fuck he is. It's somewhere that's glowy and yellow and hits the ground running because he's got to still go try and catch up with Owen. Yeah, he, at, he just can't quit the mission. At this point, he is just in some sort of tunnel somewhere within the reconfigured prison, and he's got to find his way somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's just making his way to somewhere. He has no idea where he is, but at least he got away from that garbage, awful, horrifying worm. Indeed. He got out of the frying pan and into the worm, and now he's off and running. Now the worm has turned. 
Well, actually, the worm kept going in a straight line, and he turned. Oh, yeah, it's really hard for the worm to turn in here. There's not exactly a lot of room for it. Yeah, well, it's gotten too big. Too big for its worm britches. Ah, yes, worm britches. <laughs> My cool new Star Wars character. Yeah, I go. I'm going to go ahead and say you can have that one. I'm going to let you have it. It's free, gratis from me. Good. Yep. Uh, and that's the end of these chapters. That's where we leave off. Uh, not much of a cliffhanger. I mean, we have no idea where Maul's going, and he's just lost. But hey, no worries. the The, the story goes on. Although I think there's only maybe two episodes left. Oh yeah, we're rapidly approaching mm-hmm. the end of this book. Well, everyone's exploding and dying, and Jabba's involved now. It's got to be almost over. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe like three episodes, something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know how many are left either. I'd say two or three. I If this is episode 13, and I think it is, then there should be two more. But there isn't. There's more. But wait! <laughs> well, indeed there's more, because, John, there's always the Patreon goals. That's or, right! Goals. Unlocks. Well, I mean, it's a goal. It, of ours to get you to s- patreon.com slash system mastery. Yes. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery today and so- join us at the $2 level, actually it's any day. It's not like we're running some kind of promotion. Uh, you will unlock our star Wars bonus content where we go to Wikipedia and find crazy shit from the history of star Wars to tell to each other. And to you, we make one of those every time we make one of these. So it's for a month. Usually, uh, and also, if you unlock at that level, you also get the uh, System Mastery bonus stuff. So that's like six episodes for $2, usually about 4 bucks a month. Hell yeah. A great what a deal. deal. So good. How can you a pass s- this up? It's a circus of values. If you help join our Patreon and give us money, I can buy more hot dogs with metal bits in them. Mm-hmm. And I cannot. <laughs> I could continue to play my workout Switch game. Yeah, we'll see which one of us comes out on top. Will it be the one trying to take care of himself, or the one eating gross garbage that has other gross garbage in it? Oh, it's still probably you, because I've just played... The only reason I'm trying to take care of myself is because I am on a downward slope anyway. Yes! I'm already on that end of Toy Story 3 conveyor belt. (laughs) I'm just sort of jogging in the other way. Good. (laughs) And then I'm going to go hit the the button, but I won't. And I'll be like, so long, cowboy. And then I'll get stuck to the front of a trash truck. And I'll be like, oh, no, my comeuppance. (laughs) I was hoping you'd mix the metaphors and see me down there in the garbage chute begging you for help and you would whisper no nah i ain't about that mixing all right well that's fair anyway go to patreon.com and support us anyway it's a big help to us it lets us keep doing the show because this is our only job hell yeah so go support us at the patreon otherwise thank you so much for listening we'll see you in another week with yet more exciting star wars content and until such time as we do i've been elan sleaze and i've got all these worm bridges for sale (laughs) 